I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore, it's another episode. Today's episode, um, wow, you're in for a real treat today. Um, I was really privileged to get to sit and spend a bit of time. Uh, with Laura Jane Grace of Against Me. And this was just such a wonderful chat, as, as you're about to about to hear. Um, before we get on with it, um, just say a big thank you to Emma for facilitating this episode. Um, big thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Make sure you go and check out all the other pods on, on our beloved network. Um, and big thank yous to 76 for producing this podcast. Um, once you've listened to today's episode, um, which I'm telling you now you're going to really, really enjoy, um, why not have a little look in the back catalogue? Because uh, there's about 170 episodes now off the beaten track, and uh, and there's some some wonderful episodes. You know, if you you enjoyed this chat, I'd I'd definitely point you in the direction of I don't know. Uh, ooh, should I suggest the Deftones? That's a really good episode that's come out recently. Maxine Peake. Um, Chuck D, James Lavelle, oh gosh, James Acaster. Go and go and have a rummage in the archives because there's there's like I say 170 episodes now, and and there's some some real belters in there that I think you'll you'll really enjoy listening to. Um, and if uh, you you really enjoy it and you want even more, then I do have a Patreon page as well, and each week I put up uh, a four radio shows uh some video episodes and standalone patron episodes and yeah loads of bits and pieces so um if you want more stuff to listen to then then head over there and by doing that you also uh you know give your support to 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 off the beaten track which is you know a labor of love so uh any any extra uh support is much much appreciated you can find out about all of these things at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com you forgot my own web address then um let's get back to business please enjoy today's wonderful episode with laura jane grace it's off the beat and track podcast on the distraction pieces network with me stew with him so we are recording uh sitting opposite me today via the means of zoom laura jane grace hello hello so where, where are you today, Laura? I'm at home uh, in Chicago, Illinois. As as Chicago, what's going on lockdown wise out there? Um, you know, it's well, it, the sun is shining, so that's a nice thing. Absolutely. Um, 
I live next door to a pretty amazing park. I plan on taking a walk through the park. So far, all summer long, the park has been there, and it's been green, and it's been lovely. So uh, that's on the plus side. Uh, in general, I've kind of just tried to stick to my neighborhood um, this summer. You know, like things things feel tense anytime I go out in really, really big public places, you know, if it's like a run to the store or whatever. People seem very on edge. And um, I don't know. I think everyone's just trying to survive, you know. But it's been like the most low-key summer I've had in uh, my entire adult life as far as like, you know, limited limited human interactions i i i do month on month off parroting with my daughter and uh you know other than the than being with my daughter every other month uh i haven't i haven't been in another human being's context since oh really March. oh <laughs> so how have you found it creatively um you know there's a lot of things about it to me that have been really motivating and have really centered me in odd ways. Uh I, I think like for a while I I felt apprehensive to talk about that but then I saw other people talking about it too and how they, they found it similar. Um but you know obviously like I made a record during this time. Um I made a zine, I finished my zine. I like sold copies on my Etsy page last week. Uh, uh, so I've like creatively stayed really motivated, but in general, I think like, you know, that's not to say that self-motivation is always the easiest, Sure. but I really like push myself to stay motivated of like, okay, you need to wake up in the morning and you need to do something, you know, yeah. like you need to go running, you need to maybe do yoga. You need to like get yourself out of bed. You need to make your bed every day. You know, like you need to, you can't fall into this, like, because you'll never get out of it otherwise. And just so keep, true. You know? So true. Like, you know, being honest, like, the last two days have been the first two days that I've ever just thought, wow, this, this is strange times we're living in. And it started to kind of hit a little bit yesterday. And this morning I was like, I can't be bothered to go for a run. And I was like, man, you got to go for a fucking run. Go for a run. Just do it. And, like, and I got back from the run and... Just something as simple as that does make a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. And, like, you know, adding rituals to that, too, of, like, like I have a calendar and, like, you know, I'll mark every day that I do go for a run and then, like, color it in green so that I have a visual to look along with it, you know. And then setting goals of, like, you know, when, when I set the recording session for the album, I, I, you know, purposely, like, booked it a little further in advance where I was like, okay, I've got, like, I've got a month until I'm going to go into the studio now. So then every day I'm going to, I'm going to go running first thing and then I'm going to practice the songs. I'm going to run through all the songs twice and then, you know, whatever other chores or or stuff that I set for myself to do today, just making sure I met those things. And then, then having like an incremental goal to look forward to. And then similar with like, okay, album release, album release is coming up. I've got that to look forward to. That's what I'm working towards right now. Um, because if it wasn't for those kind of anchor points, I just would be drifting out here in the abyss, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, should we talk about some records? That's always a nice thing to do. Happy to. <laughs> Wonderful. Laura, what's the song with the greatest ever intro? Band from the Roxy by Crass. Name a meter drum beat. Come on. <laughs> That's such a good shot. When, uh, when I saw your answers earlier, I was like, man, why has no one picked that tune? <laughs> it's such a like, you know, Penny, who played drums for Crass, is such a unique drummer in that people really discredit him in that 
he might not be on paper like the most technical drummer, you know, like um, he's a punk drummer, but it's people can't re- people can't reproduce it. I, I've never heard a drummer play that drum beat the same way that he plays it in the same way that he records it. And I mean, the snarl of Steve Ignorance vocals when they come in, yeah. it's pure venom. And I can't think of another drum beat preceding a vocal that like encapsulates that venom. Like you feel everything from that song in that drum beat. And it's just a simple drum beat. And you know exactly what it's like. You just feel the energy. It just completely translates. It's such a call of arms, isn't it? Right from the off. It's like, right, strap yourselves in. We've got something to say here. It's abs- oh, such a good choice, that is. Like, like I said, stunned no one's ever picked that. Um, was there any other kind of honorable mentions that you considered before you settled on that i i you know i that was the first thing that popped into my head and then like i was like i that's too easy i can't just go with that and then i was pushing myself to come up with other stuff and everything else i was thinking of were maybe like guitar more guitar driven you know like and kind of seemed in cliche like for a second my 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 brain drifted to like well what about like back back in black or something like that but really like they all just pale in comparison to band from the roxy amazing (laughs) choice okay laura track two the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you it was somewhere over the rainbow as sung by judy garland in the wizard of oz and you know that was a movie that really early on i i watched repeatedly like my i had a vhs copy that that was almost like a babysitter in ways where whenever my mom needed a a nap or something in the other room like she would put it on and i would sit there and i'd watch the wizard of oz and so when thinking about the question like i i guess i i'd never thought i'd never had that question before and i i'd never really thought back you know and every time i thought i hit on something like for a second i was like was it was it 18 in life, Skid Row? Was it, uh, <laughs> like, was it, there was a Bon Jovi song on New Jersey that I remember affected me in the third grade, but I just was like, well, think a little bit further back yeah. than that. And, and it had to have been somewhere over the rainbow, you know? And, and, uh, I mean, it's a very emotional song in general, right? <laughs> what, uh, completely. It's a beautiful record. Um, what was the, what was the emotion that you, you, you got from that, Laura? longing like longing for longing for home yeah and it like a strange feeling could feel transmitted i i grew up in a military family so i i you know was constantly moving around so uh, you know from a very young age constantly living with a feeling of like oh i really miss this place that i used to live and having left a group of friends behind um so there was always that like feeling of missing a you know, that, that place where I used to belong and wishing that I could somehow get back there. Was that tough constantly moving around as you know, well, I'll take it. You're talking about living on military bases. So, yeah, yeah. so, so uh-huh. that, that kind of upheaval, that's, you know, that's, that can be pretty trying for, for a kid, right? Yeah. I think namely just, um, the making, making a new friend group, you know, uh, was, was something that was really difficult and gets difficult as you get older, you know, and, and especially as when you reach adolescence and stuff like that. Uh, but 
it was, it was tough at times, you know, but in retrospect, I'm really, really grateful for the experience and for having like from a young age to have gotten to see so many places and to experience so much variety in culture and like, um, you know, just living in different places, seeing the world in different ways from a young age, it, it naturally just expanded my worldview and made me realize that there was, there were places beyond where I was, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and that points where you you know, you have to go and sort of make friends. That's, that's, that isn't easy. And like you say, the older you get, the, the, the tougher that is, you know, when, when adolescence bites and things like that. Um, like, did you, was you a confident kid? I, you know, consistently lost confidence. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, and I, like, there were certain things that, uh, you know, from a young age, like I struggled with that diminished my consciousness confidence, you know, whether that was like, you know, first day of kindergarten, the the elementary school I went to, the kindergartners had to enter through a different door than the rest of the kids. And so you lined up in front of this door and on that very first day, the teachers didn't believe I was a kindergartner because I was so tall. They yeah. thought I was like lying. So I remember like multiple incidents of being met with distrust as a kid that really like shattered me in ways because I wasn't being dishonest. You know, or, or another example of that would be like, it's so stupid, but like, you know, when you're a kid and you, you have to ask the teacher to use the bathroom. And like, it never would have occurred to me as a child on my own of like, oh, I should lie and say I need to use the bathroom when I don't really need to. I would have only ever asked to use the restroom if I needed to use the restroom. And then teachers immediately meeting you with suspicion for that of like, oh, you're just trying to leave the classroom. You know, you're trying to do something sneaky in the bathroom. So things like that, I think, like kind of broke down my confidence and and confused me as a kid, because I think that, um, you know, I, I was I was a kind kind kid. I was a nice kid, you know. Yeah. I was, yeah. But I think, you know, I don't know how it is for you, but I, I think you know things like that. You know, asking teachers if you can use the bathroom and things like that. At the time, you just you, you do it because that's what you're told to do. And as you get older, in hindsight, you just think, "What was I thinking?" Like, you know, and you, it's not until you get, you know, for me, like a lot older, you, you question authority. But at the time. You know, I, I guess it's just what what's what you do, and I just wish, and I, and I say to my kids sometimes, like you, you don't have to do that, like, and they're like, "What? No, you don't. No, you don't." And it's like, "Oh, but I think we do." It's like, "No, you can just say, no, I don't want to do that. It's fine." You know, they're they're not well, in charge. Good for you though, because that's you know, and that's something I do with my daughter as well. But that was something no one ever told me then, you know, and I wish that they would have because that would have given me that confidence. And I, and I said that exact thing to my daughter where I was like, listen, if you have to go to the bathroom at school and the teacher tells you that you can't go, you fucking go, yeah. you know, I will not be upset with you and I will stand up for you and I will have your back. And that's the simplest thing to say to a kid. And it's something no one ever said to me as a kid of like, I have your back and I trust you yeah. and that the teacher isn't always going to be right, you know. Um, so that confusion of like inherently trusting authority figures and then having that trust broken repeatedly as a kid was something that, you know, shatters your, shatters your little world. Yeah. And then you start listening to crass. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Crass sooner though is the thing. I, 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 unfortunately there was like a couple, uh, a couple stepping stones 
to quote a, <laughs> another, a popularly covered punk song that I heard early on. Uh, but uh, the, a couple stepping stones in between that uh, if crafts would have gotten there earlier, I think would have helped me in my development. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let's, let's talk about the informative years. Uh, for track three, Laura, the song that reminds you of your time at school. Okay, this is embarrassing. Um, I chose the Ramones. I want to be sedated. And I'll explain that in that when I, when I was like, you know, 13 years old and first getting into punk, I was like one of the first kids to really get into punk at my school. And I like very much was into the fashion of it, like spiking my hair out like Sid Vicious and like safety pins and bondage belts and stuff like that. And at the time, I went by the name Tom Gable. And people would sing at me. They would go, ba, 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 ba. I want to be Tom Gable. <laughs> of course so, they did. <laughs> I, wanna, I would walk down the sc- halls of high school, and that's what people would sing at me. So that song will forever remind me of that. Um, and, you know, I'm okay with that. That's part of my past. <laughs> so, so how was school, Laura? Oh, it was hell. <laughs> I, I mean, I dropped out when I was 16. It wasn't because of that, though. But uh, yeah, yeah, I did, you know. I mean, there was good memories, but the good memories are mostly like friend associated. And, you know, honestly, a lot of those people that that are the good memories from, from school, like I, I keep in touch with and I'm, sure. I'm still friends with, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I do like... I remember the bad, the good more than I remember the bad from it when it comes down to it. And even some of the bad, like, seems like it was fun. You know, some of the trouble you got into back then where you realize like, Oh, that didn't have any real confidence, like real consequences. Like Saturday school didn't really matter that much, whatever, you know? (laughs) That's so true though. What you say about like, you know, if you had good friends at school and there's no reason why they shouldn't still be your friends. It's like when people say to me like, Oh, there's a school reunion. I'm like, well, I'm kind of still, call with all my friends that I want to be friends with I'm not bothered about the others there's a reason I've not seen them for 30 years you know I don't need to go and see them now do you know what I mean yeah well and and, you know Facebook and stuff like that has extended that in a way that's that's odd or even some of the people that I wasn't friends with that I knew peripherally um that I've ended up like following on certain social media like sometimes I'll I'll have this question of like Jesus Christ is like do I just follow them for the rest of my life and just like know day by day what they're doing from yeah. their up forever like that's not natural feeling you know in a lot of ways like some relationships are meant to die and disappear from your life and that's it that's okay you know um but the ones that do maintain in a natural way, uh, I think, are so valuable and that you do realize, like, the cliche of, like, you don't make friends like that ever again, you know, is that that's just from a certain period of time in your life and it's irreparable. Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor. Egg Fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And... If you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humour in the mix, then you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, 
they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they've given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D, save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range, and it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, and again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. Was you, um, was you a creative kid? I was a creative kid. Yeah. I was very much lost in my own imagination of like making up stories in my head. And, and I, I loved playing with toys. Like I loved playing with action figures, but I would never play the, like, uh, I would never play the roles with the action figures of what you were supposed to play with them. You know, if it was like GI Joe's, I didn't play war. Like I enacted really intricate, complicated storylines. <laughs> romances and stuff like that you know um and and i had like you know i had my my friends that were really into that too and we would you i for like most of grade school i lived overseas and i lived in italy in southern italy and i actually my best friend was was a british kid named richard bevins and me and richard were, there were orchards behind our house and we would like just lo- live in our own fantasy world of like goblins and ghouls and witches and warlocks and run through these orchards where it'd be like you know a field of peach trees separated by these long rows of bamboo and the bamboo in the center was like hollowed out where you could build forts and there'd be like old houses that were like bombed out from world war ii and foxholes that you could just run around and play in or this well where it was like a long well that went into the ground and then stairs that went down into it and it was like the scariest thing ever you know and us like it was like my family a lot of british families and then the italian families and we would just all all the kids would just play and have these epic adventures in in our neighborhood so cool um did you know what you wanted to be at school i want i started playing guitar in the third grade when i was eight years old i saved up money mowing lawns and ordered a guitar from a sears catalog and I always wanted to be in a band from the, to the point where like, you know, I got that guitar and I, my parents gave, got me lessons, but the lessons like the teacher wasn't teaching me rock music, you know, they weren't teaching me stuff I wanted to know. So it wasn't really sticking at the time, but like, I knew that even without that, like I would write songs and then I would like make up band names and write them on the back of my jean jacket and marker and tell kids at school, like, yeah, that's my band name. You Come know, on, tell and, me some, tell me some. Can you remember any? Um, well, the, the early ones were, were the Black Shadows, uh, the Leather Dykes, <laughs> stuff like that, you know, like embarrassing stuff. That was uh, sound like I, gangs from the Warriors. I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know? It's, it's funny because, like, at the time I thought it was really cool, and then I went through a long period of time where I was like, oh, that's embarrassing. And now I look back where I'm like, wait, that was really cool. The Black Shadows, that was a kind of cool band name. A great name. <laughs> But uh, but then, you know, like eventually learned how to play, you know, kind of, um, but learned, learned more to, to, to write songs properly and stuff like that. But I always I like that's always just what I wanted to do. You know, like I always wanted to make make music. OK. Track four. What was the first song you remember buying from a record store? 
Well, the first album I bought from a record store was Def Leppard's Hysteria. Nice. I bought it on cassette. Um, and, you know, I think the biggest single off of that album was probably Pour Some Sugar On Me. <laughs> and uh, if you listen to, uh, you know, the Against Me catalog and some of the big choruses we have, I think that, um, you know, for better or worse, those big choruses are directly attributable to the chorus approach of Pour Some Sugar On Me by Def Leppard. <laughs> It's a monster chorus, though, right? <laughs> totally. It's all about breaking it down to the kick snare moments of like, you know, like that never goes out of style. It always works, you know? <laughs> and so as, as somebody that, you know, got into to punk at a young age, I mean, I, I, I'd also like to know how punk impacted on you, uh, you know, as a young kid. Um, yeah, I'll ask that first. Yeah, how, how, you know, how did, how did punk impact on you? Well, it blew everything away, you know, like it was such a like nothing else felt as dangerous, nothing else felt as real, nothing else felt as immediate. And it had such a like creeping presence into my life of ways that I didn't understand whether that was like, you know, first, like my first memory of punk was really seeing the Sex Pistols, just the band name spray painted on a wall, you know, and and being like, oh, my God, you know, like the sex pistols, you know, like for a really young kid seeing the word sex spray painted on a wall was, I didn't realize what they meant even by sex pistols. Yes. You know, I just saw the word sex and I was like, that's dangerous feeling, you know? And I started wearing the Sid chain with the, with the lock yeah. in the third grade because Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses wore it. And I, you know, remember going to school and the school principal telling me I had to take it off and me being like, well, it's locked to my neck. I can't do anything. And them having to bring bolt cutters and cut it off of my neck, you know, and like, and then discovering like that, oh, Duff didn't invent that. Like that was a Sid thing, you know, but when I really fell into it, it was like, you know, it was the nihilism and the self-destructiveness of it that I identified with it. And I think that was really like living in a place where I didn't see an escape from. At that point, I had moved to South Florida and South Florida was the worst. It was so unfriendly to kids and to youth. And, uh, and you know, it's at the bottom of Florida. So there's only one way to go, but north. So the rest of the world seems so far away. And I didn't expect to live, you know, but beyond like my early twenties, if even, you know, so there was just this, like the, the sentiment of no future really resonated with me. Um, and, and that's what I kind of latched onto. And then from there, you know, you, you expand and you get into other punk bands. And even if that was as simple as like with, you know, it's really natural of like you discover the sex pistols and then the clash is kind of like the next step, you know, and the clash definitely their politics are more refined and um, open your worldview even more where you're like, wait, white man in Hammersmith Palais, what, is, what does that mean? You know, like it challenged your thinking, especially to me, just like a white kid in South Florida of like, what are they talking about? Um, and then and then really like discovering a band like Crass where it starts to it opens up the world of anarchist politics. And there was things that, you know, in my life coincided with that, like incidents of like getting beat up by cops, getting arrested that, you know, made me want to fight back. And it's when punk started offering the tools to fight back, whether that was simple things like make a zine, 
and connect yourself with people, become pen pals with people outside of the world, feeling like, okay, well, there's these corporate conglomerates that control music now of like, whether that's like big magazines or MTV, you know, and feeling like, well, that's so far out of reach. I'll never be able to be on MTV. I'll never be able to get into that world. And then punk coming in and being like, you can do it. Just do it yourself. You know, like make your own rules. Like, and that, that's world shifting to a young kid. And it was true. And you were able to demonstrate to yourself really easy of how that would work. You know, you were able to make a zine, go to Kinko's, make copies, give it out to people and form your own little scene. And it didn't have to be exactly like anyone else's idea of what it was. You could invent your own version of punk and it was just as valid and real. I mean, that, that was just like, it was life changing and it's, and it set my course you know, in the direction that brought me to where I am today. It's that whole DIY thing, isn't it? It's like, it's so powerful, you know, and, and it's so weird that you said that you was doing a zine then, and you said you've been doing a zine during lockdown. Um, and I literally, somebody reached out to me last night that listens to this podcast, just saying, I heard you interview, blah, blah, blah. They're in my new fanzine. Can I send you my fanzine? And it's like, you know, I used to write a fanzine when I was younger. And I just think these things to have something, in a time where everything's so quick, fast, disposable on screens, just to have something that's personal and tangible again that you can hold, that's amazing. A hundred percent. And it really like, you know, I, 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 in a lot of ways, I regret getting out of it, you know, like of like, you know, for a number of reasons, like I stopped, I did a zine all through my teens and then I stopped. And, and a lot of that, of course, had to do with like, well, being in a band and touring so yeah. much and isn't the time, you know, like I still would read zines and stuff. But like so many of those elements of like the punk scene creating its own network that were actual like tools of resistance in a real way that could never be understood by oppressors that that now those that those those networks have kind of dissolved and aren't as strong and that things have shifted to a more online community that you're so much more at in danger of that, that being controlled or taken away from you of like, if all your connections are built through Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, and for some reason the government were to be like, you can't do that anymore. You know, like it's all gone. Yeah. Whereas even if, you know, with making a zine and communicating through the post, even if the post were to shut down, this physical zine still exists, you know, and like a zine was such a, a resource and database of like, here's addresses for other people who make zines. Here are the reviews of their zines. Here's the way you can contact them, you know, like, and just because a zine was a year or two old, you could discover it at, a, at another punk house. And it was still like, oh, wow, that that's a, you know, like it was still a physical thing that you could go to. Whereas like, you know, like you do a, a live stream and the second it's over, it's gone. It's digital ash. It might as well have never existed. You know, that there's no, there's such limited lasting reverberation from it that it's, it, it's not as worth your time as, as like the physical is. And, I, you know, I have such a renewed appreciation for that. And I hope so many more other people get a renewed appreciation. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. For it. Absolutely. Track five. The song that soundtrack your years clubbing. Well, I had a three-way tie for this. And I'll explain the three-way tie. Kind of was based on, like, levels of alcohol consumption. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. It, it, like, you know, you get to the club. And, and a lot of the times my friends, especially in Gainesville, we'd go to the 80s night. You know, like, that was the most fun club at this club called University Club. Because, like, everyone knew the songs and everyone would dance most uninhibitedly. Because I, I think that, like you didn't really have to know how to dance to yeah. dance to eight songs, you know? So like you get to the club and we would always drink tequila and you've got the shots in you and you're like really feeling good. And fucking Billy Idol's dancing with myself comes on. Right. And you're just fucking raging. <laughs> you know? like you're having a really good time and you're like, and, and, and you need that initial push of like, all right, well, I want to dance. I'm, I'm loaded right now. I'm a little lit. But uh, I don't I don't know how to ask someone to dance because I'm 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 socially awkward. So I'm dancing with myself. I'm just going out here on the dance floor and I'm fucking owning it. Right. So then you literally fist pump like Billy as you stress that point as well. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, And I would do it on the dance floor. I'd have my fist pump and my lips snarling. Um, And then you get a little like you've had a little too much to drink and you're getting a little sloppy. Right. And and um, and maybe also like you're getting a little sad. And then the police is so lonely comes on. Right. And that really hits you in your emotional center. (laughs) And like that has the like slow moments of it where at that point, like you have enough alcohol in you where you're like, no, I am a good dancer. You know, I can dance to these slow moments in the song, but it's still got the rocking parts where you can kick it up and you're like really going on the dance floor. Right. And then to close out the night, my song, but the last song inevitably that I would always ask the DJ to play, like end of the night was straight to hell by the clash, you know? And so that's the, like, you're totally wasted. There's maybe four people left in the club and you're just standing in the middle of the dance floor by yourself, dancing to straight to hell by the clash. And it's a beautiful end to the evening. And, uh, yeah, those are my three choices. I mean, Laura, I don't think anybody's answered that question any better. You've broke down the entire evening. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, well, for track six, I'm going to ask you uh, to pick a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Okay, so I struggle. I, I really thought about this one too. And, you know, again, like I grew up in a, in a military family, so we moved a lot, around a lot. So at first I was like, well, what's my hometown, you know? So I settled on Gainesville to choose as my hometown because moved there when I was 18, banned for all intensive purposes, started there. And, um, 
has the best music scene. But that being said, like there's some really like amazing artists from Gainesville. And at first I was like, well, I should pick a Tom Petty song because like he's the biggest artist from Gainesville. And I mean, my first CD ever was Tom Petty Full Moon Fever. But then I was like, Tom Petty's gotten enough credit over the years. Everyone knows who Tom Petty yeah. is. And so he has so many songs to choose from. So let's skip that. So the band I chose is a band called I Hate Myself. And the song is called Song 2, right? Um, and it's the second song on their one-sided 12-inch EP. And it was, a song, it was a song on a record that I heard before I moved to Gainesville. That at the time, it was probably like 1997 or something like that. Um, you know, Gainesville was very mysterious to me, like understanding what Gainesville was about. It was like mythological to me in many ways because it was like there was a real scene there. You know, there was real punk labels there. There was real venues, real punk bands happening in Gainesville. And it was at the time where like emo meant a different thing, you know, and, and like hardcore kind of meant a different thing. And the bands that were happening there were like the emo bands of the mid to late 90s where like, you know, they wore headbands and they'd have like, they'd have like, uh, like gauged ears and like, or, or it was like, you know, very influenced by like the kind of San Diego scene of like bangs in the front and spiky hair in the back, um, Vulcan looking, you know, uh, but by, I hate myself for like the epitome of emo core. I mean, like, listen to the band name. I hate myself. Yeah. Right. <laughs> This really like encapsulated the Gainesville sound in a way that like I can remember going up there the first couple times and going to house shows. And it was almost like you'd go in the room and see the bands playing and you could see the sound coming out of them. You know, like the whole room was alive and vibrating and the, the amplifiers were pushing through the people in a way that you could see them all vibrating and you just you felt it differently. Um, and, and they were a band that will forever define that for me. Um, even though they're a band, I hate myself in particular that I never actually saw live because they had kind of stopped playing before, um, before I got there. So they're like forever a myth of a band to me. Wonderful. Laura, for your last track, um, it's your opportunity to turn someone onto something that, um, that they don't know. And, and it's a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. So I chose a song by uh, Valerie June called Somebody to Love. And, um, you know, I'll tell you, this song was uh, turned on to me by an acquaintance of mine who who passed away. And it was turned on to me after they had passed away. Uh, In Pensacola, Florida, uh, there was a vibrant punk scene um, and, and like a lot of cool punk bands that Against Me connected with early on. And we used to go and play there, these amazing shows like on, on Hobo Beach and, and like house shows and, and BFW halls and stuff like that in this venue called Sluggos. And there was a kind of scene stalwart there, this person named Ken Stanton, who like played music himself, like a lot of busking on the street, organized shows, and was just like a real important part of the scene there. And we weren't necessarily like friends or anything like that. But I, I knew I knew him, you know, like and I knew him from shows and he would be at our shows and like we played together a couple times, his bands and stuff. And he passed away this past year and it hit me, you know, like in 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 the way so many things have been hitting me this year of seeing things disappear and, and feeling a, such a change. 
And so after he, he disappeared, I did a random search on Spotify of his name and he had posted a playlist that was all of his work music, just called work playlist is the only playlist he posted on his Spotify profile. And I'm assuming it's the songs that he would listen to at work. And it's the first song on the playlist. And I had never heard the song before. And it's a, a beautiful song. It's like a heartbreakingly beautiful song. And since hearing it, I've, of course, gone and, you know, invested in Valerie June's whole, whole catalog. And she's incredibly talented. And there's so many other great songs, too. And it's totally worthwhile for people to look in. Um, but I was so thankful for that, for that playlist to be there, to be found. And, and, and you know, I, I was listening to the playlist the other day when I was thinking about choices for this and, and, uh, and thinking, like, how, how amazing it is to have that, you know, of, of like, this you can hear what someone else heard still. Yeah. Wonderful. It's a beautiful record as well. And, and when I, I, I got you a list and I, I went and listened to that cause I hadn't heard it before. Uh, I've then listened to the album and at the end of the album, there's an acoustic version of it as well, which is just played on a ukulele, which is really beautiful as well. Um, Laura, what we do uh, to accompany this podcast is we put together our own Spotify playlist of all the songs that we've spoke about on here. So, um, so I'll throw a few of her songs on there as well because uh, there's some wonderful stuff on on that record. Um, Laura, hopefully we find ourselves coming out of the the, the lockdown quarantine thing that we're you know we seems to be going on forever. Um, what are you looking forward to? you know, from, from whatever kind of normality comes from this personally and what's happening creatively? Um, you know, what, what do I look forward to? What I look forward to most is being in a sweaty room with people. It's like being surrounded by people, being playing live music and having stage divers jump off the stage and people fucking like, you know, a room just like full of energy that I look forward to most. Um, but beyond that, you know, like is is like I don't I don't think there's ever going to be a return to normalcy. You know, like I think that it is a brave new world. And I think that with that, like we really have to strive to become better versions of ourselves. And that time and time again, it's been proved to us right now that no one's coming to save us. Like politicians don't care. You know, politicians are for the most part happy to let independent music die. They're happy to let venues disappear. They're happy to let culture disappear. Um, and, and they're not coming to save us. And if you look around, like, you know, when it comes to, like, the bigger world problems of global warming and stuff like that, no one's coming to save us. It's up to us to make those changes that are necessary. And I hope that this just, like, really translates the importance of that and the urgency of that and that everyone takes the impetus to, on their own, make those changes that are needed and to push us into a better world. And that so much of the, like, dead weight that we used to carry with us that didn't serve us or didn't make us better um, – is just kind of decluttered and left by the wayside and dropped from our lives. And that when we come out of this, we're able to move forward like with greater speed and velocity and gain an even greater momentum. Creatively. I mean, that couldn't have been answered any more beautifully, Laura. Um, and, and so what's coming up creatively? Well, I have a record coming out on October 1st, <laughs> um, but my whole approach has kind of been like, I don't want this to slow me down. So like, you know, there, there's the period of lag that happens between when you finish making a record and when it comes out um, that uh, like I've kind of taken as a challenge of like, 
is it's not a time to stop working just like keep working keep waking up in the morning and writing songs keep like keep writing in general and and just like stay busy you know like don't that life life can't come to a standstill so creatively i just plan on keeping keeping on pushing myself and and hopefully uh you know eventually i'll be able to be around other people physically <laughs> and if people want to keep up to speed on what's going on where's the best place um you know i i am very active on on social media like i am on twitter i use twitter like test text messaging with the world so like i am on twitter i am on it face or facebook i am on instagram um but also you know like uh i don't know <laughs> send a signal flare i'm out there <laughs> <laughs> laura it's been absolutely wonderful chatting to you thank you so much for your time today it's been really nice talking about your records Right on. My pleasure, Stu. Thank you. Thanks loads, Laura. There you go. I did not want that chat to finish. Um, Laura was incredible. Just, you know, I don't know why I'm telling you. You've just listened. Um, you, you know how incredible Laura was. Um, yeah, head over to Spotify and check out the playlist uh, of, of all the songs that we've spoke about. Uh, thanks again to Emma. Um, obviously, thanks to you lot for listening uh, and supporting this podcast. And, and why not have a look in the archives? Because there's some amazing chats in there. Uh, you, you can hear my natters with the likes of Frank Carter. Um, oh, God, Amanda Abington. Oh, gosh. It's so weird. There's 170. And when I actually put myself on the spot to actually list them, like, I completely forget. So uh, go and have a look. Like, that's the best thing you can do. and Or even better, subscribe. And if you see us on the socials, we're on all the, the usual places. Give us a, a like, a love, a share, a retweet, um, you know, anything that, that helps. Uh, because it all helps, you know, to support the podcast. Uh, you can find out about everything at www off the beaten track podcast.com um see you next time thanks ever so much for listening um love you lots bye-bye i've got an announcement save our souls clothing www.sosclothing.co.uk why am i telling you this because they're our official sponsor yeah that's right go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale you're going to love it so they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code Beat 15. 
BEAT15, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk. Official sponsors of Off the Beaten Track podcast. It's Off the Beaten Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.